relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. It takes right thinking for right relationships right now. Absolutely. Thank you, Herman, because we're here to help you take the stress out of your relationships by making them great. Mm. And if you can't stay with us and need to, you know, check us out at greatrelationships.com. All that to say this, accepting is your choice or better known as freedom does not judge. That's exactly right. Herman, the last time we were together, we were talking about managerial moments of truth, as we'd call it on greatleaders.com, but for great relationships, sharing the truth in love, that correcting is not controlling. When we end up thinking that we're going to correct somebody, we often are trying to control them to make their behavior change. God is not saying that's the way we are to do it. He asks us to look at our walk with him, our spirituality. He wants to know, am I trying to restore that person or am I trying to just get my way? And then finally, am I demanding or am I going to be gentle? Because Galatians 6.1 says that check your spirituality, make certain that you're trying to restore them, make certain that you're doing it with gentleness. Okay, well, the truth is I tend to justify, and I do it all with should, ought, and must. Mm -hmm. And that being the case, can you help me just clear the mechanism, and let's come up with prayer. Lord, thank you that you have provided all of these wonderful, perfect instructions for us. Nothing's been left out. You've given us all things for life and godliness, and I pray that we will pay attention, that we'll hear and do in your precious name. Amen. Barbara, I'm glad we could meet for lunch. What was it you wanted to talk about? I just can't accept my husband's behavior. What is Bill doing that's got you so upset? He is always watching TV. He ought to be able to control the amount of time he watches. But not Bill. He would waste the whole day if I let him. Correcting can go badly if you're trying to control his behavior because you're removing freedom. Correcting only works if your intention is to do it with gentleness and for his benefit. In that case, I better cut this lunch short because when I left the house, I wanted to control what Bill was watching on TV. How could you control the TV when you're not there? It was easy. I just picked up the TV remote and put it in my purse. Herman, thank you. Before the prayer and the drama, freedom doesn't judge. And in the last program, you touched ever so briefly on five actions to help correct and not control. Yeah, what we typically talk about is these are what we call the five actions that leave you free or the five freedom actions. We often, it, just think about this. If you were doing something wrong, I would typically have a tendency to just demand that you change. I'd either do it in a nice way or I'd do it in a very dominant way, but I'd be forceful in some form trying to get you to change. I want your life to be different so that I can be happy. That's really what it boils down to. It's, it is very controlling. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's when, when we do it that way, we're not utilizing these five actions that leave you free. If I am going to approach you the way that God wants me to approach you, I want to keep these five actions in mind. I want to first hope that you will change. I don't necessarily need to say anything to you. I can hope that you change. I certainly ought to be praying that you change. 
Now, I got to be careful with that one because if I'm praying, it might generate a lot of emotions in me that I'm not seeing you change and therefore it's driving me nuts and I'm being controlled by your behavior. That isn't what God is wanting me to do. He wants me to pray so that I can put it in his court for him to deal with rather than me thinking I have to deal with it. So I hope, I pray, and then I encourage you. I might see a, a chance to go, hey, how are you doing on that? And I could encourage you to be changing. Then there's two others. These two are the ones that we typically go to. We ignore the first three, hope, pray, and encourage, and we immediately go to exhort and rebuke. Absolutely, there's something wrong with that. <laughs> That's right. It's just like we, we've said, you know, the, the Junior Holy Spirit t-shirts. You know, I've still got mine. That's for sure. <laughs> okay, I meant to get rid of mine. You told me to last time. It's still in the drawer, but I remembered That's I needed right. to do it. <laughs> but the issue is hope, pray, and encourage sometimes exhort and rebuke. And if you're going to go into that rebuke, and even if you're going to go into the exhort, really make certain that you are paying attention to Galatians 6.1. And that is where we see those important three elements that he's asking us to pay attention to our walk, you who are spiritual, uh, restore, mend them. Don't try to just change them because it'll make your life better. You want to go into it to, to help them mend and then do it with a spirit of gentleness. That's how this typically works. And if you don't do it that way, you're going to be judging people. And freedom is not judging. Freedom is not judging because it's giving them the freedom to be what? A jerk. If they want to be a jerk, that's their choice. That doesn't mean that I'm tolerating their bad behavior. And too many people end up thinking that. Well, Herman, if you're saying that they're free to be a jerk, you're just saying it's okay for them to sin. No, I didn't give them a license to sin. <laughs> Their sin nature did that. That's something that I can't prevent necessarily. I can encourage them to not be doing that, but it's not my job to make it not happen. The last couple of times we've been together, we've talked about freedom and we've talked about boundaries. And that led us to this whole discussion about acceptance and behavior. Acceptance and behavior, that's right. And, and where we want to make certain that we put a little bit more emphasis, accepting is your choice. Okay, but what but, if they hurt but, me? But behavior is their choice. And we're constantly trying to change their behavior, and it's not even our choice. If they, if they hurt you, that is a situ situation that we've talked about freedom, you have freedom to protect yourself just as much as they have the freedom to be a jerk. You have the freedom to protect yourself. But let's not go there. What I want to focus on at this point in time is we've talked about accepting and behavior, and we've talked about correcting behavior God's way. But I really want to focus in on the most important issue as it relates to accepting and behavior. Accepting is your choice. Behavior is their choice. It's and you're telling me to love them unconditionally and give them the freedom to be a jerk. They are free to behave poorly. Yeah, it'd, it'd be sort of like me saying this to you. You know, uh, Paul, your behavior doesn't meet God's standards. Okay, uh, we're friends. That's okay. But what happens if it actually happens to be my spouse? Same type of issue. God is the one that is in charge of all people's behavior. He's the one to correct. He is the one to be able to restore. And I am going to either participate with him or not. 
as a person that has bad behavior. I'm either participating with him or not. If you are looking at your spouse, it is her choice as to whether she's going to be operating with good behavior or not. It's your responsibility before God to hope, pray, and encourage, sometimes exhort and rebuke. But it's not your responsibility to make her behavior change. That still is between she and God. That is absolutely imperative. So then what am I supposed to do if something's wrong? I mention it and then leave it alone? I think that is probably one of the better <laughs> better tactics to use. In fact, one of the smart things that we typically talk about is say it once, but no more than three times. You know, in a day, in five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> because God is, God is wanting you to start modeling be his behavior, which is to pursue their best wherever they are. And that means sometimes saying some difficult things to them. Uh, for instance, here's a great quote. I love this quote. Growth is encouraged with the assurance of love and the prospect of hope. Now think about that. If I'm going to you and saying, you know, Paul, if you don't get this right, you know, you're going to be in real bad trouble. If I do it that way, it's going to create a real problem. We'll talk about this after the break. Okay, thank you. And Herman, real quick, I want people to go to the website, greatrelationships.com. They can listen to this program again, but they can dig deeper by going to chapter 8 and look in the second section, Freedom and Choice. We'll be back right after this. Great thoughts for great relationships. If you have to have it your way, you probably are ignoring freedom, grace, love, and to a large extent, the other person. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Jackhammers, saws, pliers. Is your toolbox complete? Add some critical thinking tools to your kit as you listen to Worldview Academy's Bill Jack with simple tools for brain surgery. Have you ever stayed in a hotel in which you had to keep the lights on? The reason, of course, is that you don't want to hear this sound. Whoa, baby, you don't want to hear that sound. That's right, it's the sound of cockroaches. So why do you keep the light on? Because the roaches hide in the walls from the light. Funny, people too often rush to the darkness when the light of truth is shined on them. In his discussion of the habits people develop in suppressing truth, Paul lists their foolish hearts are darkened as habit number four. Apparently, as Jesus said, men do love darkness rather than light. That's why Christians need to let the light of His truth shine in and through us to dispel darkness. Another simple tool for brain surgery. To add more tools to your kit, go to worldview.org. GreatRelationships.com, the website, or you can give us a call at 800-819-4293. Again, that's 800-819-4293. Herman, before the break, you said something that got my attention. Assurance of love. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome if yeah. every one of us could have the assurance of love from everybody around us, especially the ones that are most close relationships? Yes, please. I'd even take a second helping. <laughs> well, we do have that assurance of love from God, but we will not get that from necessarily people around us unless they are modeling the way God operates with us. 
that is a, a, a really good quote. If I am dealing with you to encourage your growth, then I'm going to be assuring you that I actually love you and I'm going to be giving you a prospect of hope. So it'd be like me saying, you know what, Paul, your, your behavior really doesn't meet God's standard, but I want to make certain that you know that you probably don't like hearing that from me, but it really is something that I would desire that you consider working on for your good. But you know what? I'm going to tell you this, really important. I'm going to hope, pray, and encourage that you change, but you don't have to. I'm going to still care about you. It's that type of a concept that I would be wanting to operate together in a relationship. And we talked about this last time, that my approval, well, I get this wrong all the time, acceptance, approval, and behavior. Mm -hmm. My acceptance is different than my behavior, because you may not approve of my behavior, but it doesn't change my acceptance. That's right. You said that that's the way that God loves us. Why is it so hard for me to love others the way God clearly loves me, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally? Well, our sin nature is always driving you to ask this one question. It's the marketing question that's used against you all the time. What's in it for me? (laughs) (laughs) Your sin nature is constantly, I don't want to pursue your best, because if I pursue you best, who's going to take care of me? That's what your sin nature is telling you. Well, this is hard, because in the Bible, you're making it very clear to me that acceptance of others is my choice. And Jesus makes it pretty clear. Determine whether or not you love this person or they're your enemy. And if they're your enemy, he makes it very clear what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to love them in these other things. So either way, my selfish, self-centered self loses. Yeah. I mean, we have used this multiple times. Just think about it this way. If, If you and I were ending up pursuing each other's best, how many people would be taking care of me? you and me. Uh, But if I end up seeking my own way, flashing my me, how many people are taking care of me? Just Just me. me. Now that is a, I mean, it it, it works even better. You know, we have our producer, Sharice, sitting here. If you just think about how wonderful it turns into just three people. If all three of us are pursuing the best for each other, guess how many people are taking care of me? Two other people. If all three of us are pursuing our own best, how many people are? Only one. And just think about how that typically works. When we are doing that, it typically is, that's the way we typically operate in church and in the workplace. Okay, but you touched on that. In the workplace, I can justify secular behavior. Sadly, it carries that economic efficiency, or so I think, wrongly carries into the church. And you made a statement that I kind of wanted to throw back. and talk well, about. Before you leave that, though, really important. Yeah, you can justify that type of behavior in the workplace, but it doesn't mean it's correct. I know, but I'm sorry. I'm not going to lie. This is about honesty, right? This is a program of vigorous honesty. If I lie, then how can I get better? How can I be encouraged? Well, and have hope? I'm only saying that from this viewpoint. We end up tending to live our life in segments. I tend to live my life at church. I tend to live my life at home. I tend to live my life at the workplace. No, my life is my life. But God doesn't compartmentalize my life. He does not compartmentalize my life. So where do I? Where do I get this permission somehow that I do this? Therefore, what we are 
making too many mistakes, too much of a mistake many times is we end up having a life at work. We have a life at home. We have a life at church. That's wrong. Our life is to be the same life, Jesus Christ living through me at church, at work, at home. And that is very critical for us to maintain that mindset. Okay. And then that's where I have problems because in this compartmentalization, I do that because of discipline. Right? I've even got scripture that I would say, wait a minute, control of self mm-hmm. is a fruit of the Spirit. How do I demonstrate that I've got the Spirit? Because of my rigorous routine, right? <laughs> my, my, uh, right? You know where I'm going? My self-discipline yeah. shows that I have proof. But the truth is, I've heard you say that the Christian life is not about discipline. It's about relationship. And when you start telling me to jump through these different compartments, you make me very uncomfortable because now you're saying I'm supposed to relate. You're to relate to the Lord first and foremost. And my relationship with the Lord is the thing that is the common theme through all of the other relationships that I have. If I'm walking with the Lord, then his life will be shown through me in every other aspect of my life. That's the reason why it's so important for us to focus on the relationship with Jesus Christ. Am I relating to Jesus Christ or am I looking at just trying to be disciplined and do what he asked me to do? (laughs) Which takes us back to that fundamental decision we like to talk about. That's right. The fundamental choice of life. Am I going to trust God or am I going to trust something other than God? That is all dependent upon my relationship with the Lord. Am I relating to and getting to know the Lord by being in his word so that I can relate to him rather than just know it? Too often we end up knowing God's word, but we don't have it in our life and we're not relating to the Lord. We're not relating to Jesus Christ, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And he is the one that we, if we don't have that relationship, it's not going to be lived out through every other segment of our life. Okay, forgive me, but just to stack the blocks here, fundamental decision, trust God, trust someone else. Mm -hmm. Having made that decision, then God starts to conform me to his image through these relationships, both in church, professional, Mm -hmm. my neighbor, my wife, my spouse, my family. If I get it from the inside out, meaning starting with those closest to me, with my spouse, with my family, I could really start to change things. You could start to change things and you would be transformed. And that is a really important issue. If you are living the truth of God's word out through your life, that means you are following the second Peter chapter one, eight steps principle that we summarize into three. We've talked about this, learn, apply, serve. If I am living this out to my brothers in Christ around me, brotherly kindness, and then ultimately pursuing the best for all people around me with what I am learning and what God is doing through my life, that's the that's the way you get transformed. Learn, apply, serve. That's so how that works. So then this actually gives me the foundation to grant freedom and not to judge. When we are accepting others for who they are, we're basically saying, you're free to be whoever God wants you to be or whoever you've chosen to be. That isn't going to change my attitude toward you. I would love for you to behave differently. I would love for you to consider truth. I would love for you to change that bad behavior. That'd be awesome. 
but you know what? I'm going to operate toward you and accept you where you are, because if I don't do that, I won't maintain the relationship and have the chance to influence you more positively at, at a future time. Okay, but this Frady cat that lives inside me that you don't get to see that I put masks on and do stuff, mm-hmm. he's saying, Herman, you're telling me to trust God and be a doormat. No, in fact, it takes a lot of courage to be able to accept somebody when they have bad behavior. And you're missing the point on freedom. Again, notice this. If somebody is mistreating me, I'm free to protect myself. I'm free to break the relationship. I can still accept them for who they are. I don't have to put myself in harm's way. At some point, I might want to reconcile with them And if that doesn't work, if they're not willing to change, then I don't reconcile. But I can still accept them for who they are. That is very difficult for us to understand how that works. It's very difficult to see that God has called us to the attitude on the Sermon on the Mount to love our enemies. Very important issue. Yes, it is. In fact, going to need more than this. Greatrelationships.com is the website. Click on the radio tab. You can listen to this program again. You can send it to someone else. Or more importantly, Herman, they need to look at Chapter 8. Is that correct? That's correct. The second section. And spend some time there. We'll be back right after this. Relationships can be great. And not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R numeral 8 relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Great thoughts for great relationships. Your beliefs do not change for the better until you see current reality. Seeing current reality, things clearly, how they really are, helps change our beliefs for the better. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. You're listening to Great Relationships. If you have a specific question, you can give us a call at 800-819-4293. If you want to just write us and let us know what's on your mind, get us at Great Relationships. That's Post Office Box 51836, P.O. Box 51836, Midland, Texas, 79710. Herman, before the break, we were talking about this quote of yours that I really like. Christian life is not about discipline. It's about relationships. And that gets really bad because I don't think a lot of churches tell us that, in fact, I don't know a lot of followers of Christ that say, hey, brother, 
my sister, this life is an internship for the next. Wow. I mean, what a great statement you just made there. That is such a very important statement because, you know, the way I keep that in my mind is when the Lord refers to himself in the Bible as the king of kings, he is the king of kings, but who are the kings? It's you and I. That's how I tend to think about that, because we are apprenticing ship. We're in this apprenticeship here on earth for kingship, and he's the king of all of us kings. You know, there's a guy, Jody Dillow, and he's got that book out called Reign of the Servant Kings. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll tell you what, I was raised a Catholic, and I'm thinking that that book must be issued for penance, because (laughs) it's a read. It's a a thick one, isn't it? But the title alone says a lot, Mm -hmm. Reign of the Servant Kings. Mm -hmm. If it sounds foreign to you, wake up, because you don't get it. This life is an internship. Lord of Lord, King of Kings is our Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But he is asking us to co-reign with him. Yeah. And in fact, going back to the, the quote that you said, the, uh, the idea of discipline, uh, you know, uh, we had a tendency to uh, consider discipline before relationship and those type of things. I, that The concept of discipline, I'm for discipline. Don't get me wrong. I'm for that because I will be disciplined if I walk with the Lord and have the relationship with the Lord. Because if you remember right, the ninth element of the fruit of the Spirit is Self-control, and that is an implication of discipline, right? But here's what happens too often when discipline is the focus rather than relationship. Judgmental. I'm disciplined, and you're not, and you're supposed to be. Dadgummit, you better get your life together. We put that Junior Holy Spirit T-shirt on and put the Junior Holy Spirit necklace on, and we just go at it. That's exactly what we do. But Romans 14.10 is a great, great verse for us to Keep in our minds, as I said uh, here recently, you know, three things that I try to keep in my mind that I'm depraved, that I need to be available, and that I need to be thankful. Romans 14.10 is a great verse to keep me focused on. I'm just a depraved human being apart from Jesus Christ, just like they are. But why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That is so important for us to keep in our mind. And that is one of those verses that helps me focus on other people being free. They're free to do whatever they want to do. Even if they're trying to harm me, they're free to do it. It doesn't mean I'm going to let it happen, but they're free to try to do it. You know, I I go to a grace-based church, so you would think we're exceptionally free. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, we tend to be very legalistic. Yeah, we can be. We can be because we end up saying, but everybody's supposed to be into grace. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> That's how we end up doing it, right? But here's another quote that I love. It's not from the Bible. Oh, the comfort, the inexpressible comfort of feeling safe with a person, having neither to weigh thoughts nor measure words. But pouring them all right out, just as they are, chaff and grain together, certain that a faithful hand will take and sift them, keep what is worth keeping, then with the breath of kindness, blow the rest away. Wow. I mean, just think about your relationships operating that way. That's what God is doing with me. That's, that's how God treats me. He sees the trash that I offer, and he goes, Herman, you know, I'm sorry that you're just thinking so poorly. I hope that you choose my word. I sure care about you. I sure accept the way you are. I'm displeased with your current behavior, 
Uh, I really hope that you choose to do life differently. Why can't why can't we have that same attitude? We can if we trust in the energy of the Holy Spirit working in us. You won't do it if you're trying to be disciplined about your life. Which means I'm trusting on my energy. That's right. You're trusting in your own energy. And while you said the quote wasn't from the Bible, as you were reading that, all I could hear were the words of Christ ending in, for my yoke is easy. Easy. And my burden is light. Right. And all mm-hmm. I can think of is how that is freedom and acceptance mm-hmm. and granting me choice and how Christ is pursuing my best patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. He and I know how much of an idiot I am each day, mm-hmm. and yet he waits. Yeah. And I'm going to save this for next time. Freedom is not the highest principle, though. freedom is not the highest principle and here's a word i want you to remember Uh, the antonov 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 we'll we'll tell you what that means next time but wait (laughs) you love doing this and if you don't know what i'm talking about really check out the website greatrelationships.com look at the videos there's an accompanying study guide we're in chapter eight section two And you'll see where Herman is always telling me, not yet, but wait. So until next time, God bless you. Thank you for listening. We'll see you soon. All rise for the Honorable Judge Freeman. Counselors, please approach the bench. I trust you've learned from our last meeting the rules of my courtroom. Yes, Yes, Judge. All right, then. What's the secret word? Antonov. And what is the significance? The Antonov is a very heavy airplane. That should not be able to fly because of the laws of gravity. But with Bernoulli's law, heavy airplanes can fly because of a higher principle. Yes, counselors. Additionally, I invite you to consider freedom like gravity and love like Bernoulli's law. Love trumps freedom. Why am I telling you this? Because I invite you to act with freedom in my courtroom. But if the choice is between acting in freedom or acting in love, choose love. Join us next time when Herman will ask you to consider love as the highest principle. You won't need a lawyer with you to listen to the show, though. Great relationships pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now.